The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everybody. Oh, hey. How you doing out there? Uh, man, well, I'm doing good. We got a we got a different week here over at this house. Yeah, we do. We got a new house guest. Yeah. Staying with us for a little while. We're fostering a dog. Yes, his Ooh. name is Snickers. He's a first-gen Labradoodle, and if any of y'all want a dog, he is perfect. Oh, uh, he is a real sweetie. He really is. His name is not Snickers, though. I mean, well, it is, but like he does not care about that name. Yeah, he came with the name <laughs> Snickers, but we don't think it fits, and he doesn't seem to be in love with it. So he just—I think he's like a Charlie or Larry or something. Larry. I don't know why. Larry not the really Labradoodle, Larry, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, whatever his name is, he's a sweetheart. He's just under two. Right. And we just got him yesterday. Yeah. Brought yesterday. Him home. We were supposed to be holding him until he went to his forever home. Mm-hmm. But then his forever home fell through. So we are holding him. Uh, my aunt works with the dog rescue. So she asked us to, to just keep him for a little while while they figure out where he's going because he's going to get snatched up quickly. Gotta be. Maybe by one of. You all, if you. anybody's in Georgia or hell, I mean, I don't know, maybe they'll arrange some transport for him. He's he worth really it. is just a sweet angel. Yeah. Total snuggle bug. So he's very much worth it to whomever would like a dog at this time. We yeah. don't. So that's why we're not snatching him up. But actually, it's a good little segue to our podcast, which is also oh. about what happens when your forever home falls through. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> that's right. Because, I mean, you guys know or probably guessed that our podcast is dedicated to love and romance. Right. It's called Ridiculous Romance. Yes. But what happens, as the Muppet Christmas Carol deleted song asks, 
When love is gone. Oh. So today we are tackling some historical divorce courts. But our daytime television versions have nothing on these courts. We are taking you all to medieval Germany, where husbands and wives had to basically enter the Thunderdome to get a divorce. <laughs> and then to 1650s France, where the courts proved impotency with a very stunning piece of legal pornography. Okay, I'm ready for this. <laughs> so let's uh, divorce this introduction from the show with the theme song <laughs> and get going. I love it. Let's go. Hey there, friends. Come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Before we dive into the two most wild divorce courts ever, we should probably get a little background. Oh, yeah. And you know what that means. It's time to sidle up to the bar, put our hand on a stranger's knee, and have a quick fling with history. Oh, I hate you. So Collaborative Divorce Texas has a great history of divorce around the world on their website. <laughs> Sorry. I love that uh, Texas is like, hey. If anybody knows divorce, it's us. <laughs> I also love that they're like, you guys should have a collaborative divorce. Let's make this a nicer process yeah. for everyone involved. Actually, that's <laughs> nice. We're doing the, you know, a divorce is just one more thing a couple does together. Hey, it's the, in fact, the last thing you may do together. <laughs> Not necessarily. I guess if you co-parent or something. Yeah, yeah. You may, or you just you may stay have friends. Other things. It happens. But it is one of the major pro last projects <laughs> yes, of a couple's yeah. life, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they detail a lot of different cultures and stuff. So like in ancient China, for example, a couple could get a divorce by mutual agreement. Mm. Sort of nice. Easy peasy. Or the husband could divorce his wife for cause, such as, quote, a lack of filial piety, failing to bear a son. Oh, jeez. Adultery, yeah. gossiping, <gasps> contracting a disease. <laughs> Or committing theft. <laughs> this is crazy. They straight up are like, break up with your wife if she gets cancer. I mean, which is shocking and horrible. Uh -huh. But I'm more stuck on gossiping. <laughs> like, if you could divorce your wife for gossiping, there would be no marriages in the United States. Wow. They're just, what do you mean no gossiping? I know, but gossiping about whom or what? Or is it just like, you just need it. It's like glaucoma for medical marijuana, or it's just like, just take your bad back or something. Look, <laughs> it's just some excuse. Uh, did you hear about Cheryl? Well, that's it, honey. I'm done with Kicking you. you How out. dare you talk about Cheryl behind her back? What do you care about Cheryl? She's been a good friend to you. <laughs> no, she hasn't. That's wrong talking shit. <laughs> I would say it's also clearly failing to bear a son and right. not children, period. Oh, yeah. Also, filial piety, in case you didn't know, which I didn't, it's a Confucian concept about respecting one's elders and ancestors. Mm. So oh. I guess a guy could divorce his wife if she was, like, too mean to her mother-in-law oh. or something like that. Or if she wow. was like, curse the ancestors or wow. something. So if, you, if your <laughs> wife was gossiping about your relatives. Ooh. You Oof. have two reasons to get That's rid of her. <laughs> now, Collaborative Divorce Texas goes on to say that, quote, the only formal requirement for a consensual divorce was for the husband to write a note to his wife. Oh. Like, what's the note say? <laughs> hey, babe, this is your husband. It's been nice, but 
let's not. Okay. Okay. Great. Bye. Love you. Bye. See you. Never. <laughs> Wait. So a husband writes a note to his wife, and they consider that consensual? I mean, I guess if if she's not got an argument Look, against it or something, he wrote it and she read it. That's a, it. Takes two to tango. It takes you know? two. <laughs> <laughs> now, what good is a written note if no one's around to read it? Have you even written a note if yeah. no one's ever read it? Does it make a sound? <laughs> well, anyway, after communism changed China forever, it did become easier for women to sue for divorce. But men usually get custody of the kids. And it's very hard for a divorced woman to find a job. Mm, okay. So probably still doesn't doesn't get instigated by the woman a lot. She has a lot to lose. Uh, the Code of Hammurabi, which was from around 1764 B.C., this details divorce laws as well. Now, women were allowed to divorce their husbands for uh, desertion or neglect or incompatibility. I feel like is a, a bit more broad and well, and it's like thank you. That's why I don't want to be with him. Yeah, <laughs> everything right. else might be going great. We had seven sons together, whatever. But I'm just like I can't stand him. It's not just or like I can't stand her. Gossip. It's yeah. like we're we're literally the thing we're supposed to be. We're not. We're not. Yeah. yeah. Now, women had to present evidence at a tribunal of abuse or neglect, and then they would say, "Quote: You are not congenial with me." Mm. And that was like the Damning. official declaration. <laughs> I declare divorce. <laughs> now, infidelity was not an acceptable reason for a woman to divorce her husband. But if a wife was proven to be cheating, she could be drowned along with her lover. <laughs> Again, something we've seen a lot of. Yeah. They're like, men are supposed to go out and spread their seed about uh-huh. for some reason. But you must be chaste and pure. Well, Betty. You having so much fun with Richard, are you? Well, how about you and Richard go have fun in the river together? <laughs> Forever. But see, that wouldn't be a lot of divorces for cheating because she would just be dead. Like He wouldn't have to divorce her. Oh, yeah. She's just dead now. Well, do they divorce before they I, kill her? No, I don't think so. Wow, okay. I think they're just like, she's cheating and they drown him. And then he's like, now nah, I'm a widow. So divorce... Obviously, it was most often initiated by the husband because they could divorce at will, but the wife had to do all this work to prove like abuse or neglect or whatever first. Right. Now, most men divorced because their wives were infertile. But if that was the case, she was allowed to take her dowry back, which, of course, is the money or the property that the husband gets from the wife's family to you know, take her off their hands <laughs> and start their new life together. So a lot of men just wouldn't divorce anyway because they didn't want to lose that sweet, sweet, fancy cash. That sweet, sweet dowry. <laughs> Those bedsheets are mine now. <laughs> and that's pretty similar to the laws in ancient Greece. OK. If a woman wanted to divorce in ancient Greece. She or her father had to initiate a formal proceeding and bring evidence to a court of adultery, abuse, neglect, or abandonment. Mm. Some reason, right? Okay. Meanwhile, the man could be like, I'm just sick of this bitch, and simply send their wife back to her father's wow. house. For any reason, the deed was done. No formal and nothing required. Now, usually men divorced in order to make a more advantageous marriage. Oh. Or because their wives could not have children. Oh, jeez. But... Just like in the Hammurabi Code, he would have to return his wife's dowry or pay 18% interest on whatever funds, I guess, that he had already mm. spent. So if she brought a lot of money to her marriage, he would just stay with her for financial reasons. He'd be like, I can't find that change anymore in my couch cushions, so I'm stuck with her. <laughs> right. Okay, so it, it makes getting married, especially if you want children, a real gamble. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like as if you're not allowed to try and have children before you get married. Right. But if you get married and y'all can't have children, you're either stuck there or you got to pay big bucks to get out of it. Why don't they just let people figure it out before they get married? Save everyone a lot of grief. Great. You know, question. I mean, I'm asking an old, old question that should have been answered centuries ago. But know, right. we're well, still dealing with it, it might be chalked up to what old what condoms used to be like. <laughs> they were straight <laughs> but up. But I'm like, saying not even tie them on with a string. <laughs> right. But I'm not even talking about non-reproductive sex. I'm talking about let people try and have children and then get married once they're pregnant. Oh, I see what if you mean. If that, oh, or even just have children before they get married. You know what? Shock of shocks. It doesn't change that much. Right? Well, and I think that's kind of, you know, a, a lot of this is, of course, about people with money, right? Yeah. So if you're poor, if you were poor at any given time, I think it was more common that, like, you know, one or the other spouse would just kind of leave. Mm. And then after a few years, everyone would just kind of, okay, and get married again. Wow, like, you okay. know what? I, because nobody, there's no property to care about right you know what i mean so it's just like whatever just move to the next town until move along. everybody forgot you were married right like i mean you know i guess you could if there's some good records in uh-huh. your particular part of history uh-huh. someone could find evidence of bigamy but how often were people writing that down and yeah, those you know didn't even know how to family write bible or something right. if they knew how to write exactly yeah. so probably you know this is again mostly i think about people with that had something to bring to the table. And if there was like two poor people, it was like, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever y'all want to do, who cares? Or because my history of ancient Greece comes (laughs) almost entirely from Looney Tunes. They're like carving into a stone tablet, like Jericles (laughs) married Meg on Augustus 4th. Beautiful month. Yeah. yeah, It was was (laughs) a lovely outdoor wedding. wedding. Yeah. Right (laughs) at the Parthenon where all things happened, I assume. For tens of thousands of years. It was like the only event space (laughs) in all of ancient Greece. Greece, (laughs) But it is not just about money, of course, um, because there's other things you produce in a marriage, Mm. like children. And men almost always kept full custody of their children, too. Yeah. So if you heard our Sir Richard and Lady Seymour Worsley episode, we learned that children are considered their father's property. So it's highly unusual for a wife to be able to take her children with her in a divorce. And I think that's likely another very big reason that a lot of women didn't bother with it. I mean, aside from the difficulty of getting one, she's having to think, OK, I'm also having to leave behind my darling Adolphus or whatever. Huh. You know, I don't know. It feels to me and I could be talking crazy here, but mm. it, like, for example, if you had to ascribe uh, children as property to one of the parents, it does seem like maybe the one who sort of had them inside their body for you nine know, months or so would be one. But but uh, and, and the conclusion I'm drawing and don't let me get ahead of myself here. I feel like a lot of societies uh, have things set up in such a way that skews. I don't know. This is crazy. It skews power. What? I don't know. Uh, I feel weird even saying it, but maybe skews power towards the men. (gasps) Sorry. I know that's outrageous. Outrageous. That's the craziest thing I ever heard. (laughs) It's never been said. Baseless. Never been proven. (laughs) Totally baseless accusation against literally almost every society on the planet. Every patriarchal society. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) All right. Forget I said anything like that. Put away the pitchforks and torches. Right. Calm down. Um. You know, because the other thing that's always true is that men are really good at being criticized. So, oh yeah, um, I know I won't hear anything about that. So anyway, 
I mean, not from our audience. Come on, let's be honest. (laughs) Y'all are great. All right. Well, let's talk real quick about one of the most famous divorce cases, of course, in 1527. King Henry VIII decided he wanted to get rid of his wife, Catherine, and marry the younger and prettier Anne Boleyn. And don't worry, this is not our King Henry VIII episode. (laughs) Uh, This is but a paragraph. Um, And as Amanda Foreman points out in Smithsonian Magazine, King Henry's break with the Catholic Church to create his own church where he would be allowed to remarry led to only one divorce in 1552. She writes, quote, the term was not even used again until 1670. In fact, while Protestant Europe was beginning to embrace the idea that there could be justifiable reasons for ending a marriage, England actually took a lurch backward. Not only did King Henry VIII's new church come out against divorce under any circumstances, but it also far outstripped Catholic Europe in the restrictions of granting annulments. How weird is that? Yeah. I had no idea. That was your whole point of coming into existence. Yeah. She's writing like, oh, this is supposed to be the thing that like opened the floodgates of divorce or whatever. And then when you actually look at it, it's like, no, (laughs) not really. In fact, the Church of England hated divorce so much that they instituted the rigmarole of requiring a special act of parliament to get one, which meant that both houses had to vote a law through as we saw with the Sir Richard and Lady Seymour episode. Now, very few people, of course, had the money or the moxie to be put through such a uh, public spectacle. Mm -hmm. So divorce was still very uncommon. Foreman says, quote, when a divorce law was finally enacted in 1824, the number of divorces in English history stood at a mere 324. Whew. That's outrageous. It's like very few. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if we talk about him doing it in 1527 or whatever. King Henry in 1527. Yeah. All the way up to 1824. 300? Crazy. And th- and uh, 287 of those were him. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, that's it. She was like, he even he, he only had the one. Otherwise, he, he killed them or they died. Yeah. So his death was easier than divorce to get. Other, just while I'm making wild accusations this week, it also feels, I don't know, maybe this belongs in Speculation Station. Oh. It feels sometimes mm-hmm. like both churches and uh, and state governments are maybe a little too focused on people's personal love lives. I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, Another I feel weird saying wild, it. baseless claim from <laughs> Eli. <laughs> Well, Amanda Foreman also points out how like hard pressed the courts really were to figure out exactly how badly a man had to behave before a woman could get a divorce from him. Because remember, again, if you heard it, Lady Seymour had to destroy her own reputation to prove that her husband was letting his friends watch her undress and stuff before she could even get a legal separation. Mm. They didn't even get a divorce. They just got a legal separation. Right. And Foreman points out that Financial shenanigans, rape, brutality, and infidelity were not enough for most women to win their lawsuits. Only a couple cases differ, and it's worth noting why. First, she talks about Barbara Villiers in 1707. She was one of Charles II's favorite mistresses. But ridiculous romantics may remember her being name-checked by John Wilmot in his poem, 
Senior Dildo oh. as having, quote, swallowed more pricks than the ocean has sand. Oh, that's her? <laughs> that's her. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> well, our girl, when she was 64, <laughs> she married a man 10 years younger than her named Robert Bo Fielding. Okay. Six months later, she found out he was already married to a wealthy widow named Anne DeLoe. Whoops. And she only discovered that because Bo Fielding found out that Anne DeLoe was an, actually a woman named Mary who was friends with Anne's hairdresser and not a wealthy widow at all. What? She was completely faking it. <laughs> he had been tricked into marrying some other bitch thinking she was a wealthy widow. And then he tricked Barbara into thinking he was not married so that they could also get married. Wow. Isn't this crazy? <laughs> well, Bo was so pissed off when he found out he'd been tricked that he beat Barbara so badly that she actually jumped out of a window to get away from him. Whoa, so he he beat the woman who didn't like scam him? him? Okay, Ugh. because, you know, when you consider a wife a man's property, he yeah. says, I can do whatever I want yeah, to her. Yeah, just take it out on her. Jeez. Foreman writes that Barbara was able to successfully divorce him, but by the time it was official, he, quote, had already run through a great deal of her money and seduced her granddaughter, leaving her pregnant with his son. Oh, my God. And I don't want to hear any gossiping about it either. <laughs> Be careful, ladies. Oh, my God. But note, of course, that it is the bigamy, not the brutal beating, that got Barbara her divorce. Yeah. Apparently, only one guy was brutal enough to his wife that Parliament granted her a divorce based on violence done to her, and that was the Earl of Castlehaven in 1631. This guy's crimes included, quote, hiring his male lovers as his servants and giving them full control of the household, marrying off his eldest daughter to one of his lover's servants, mm. colluding in the seduction of his adolescent stepdaughter, Ooh. and finally holding down his wife while she was raped by one of his servants. Oh, God. Yeah, so this guy, villain of the week, absolutely, absolutely maybe of the week. century. His defense was that a wife's body belonged to her husband and he could do whatever he wanted to it. Apparently, the prosecution wasn't really able to argue with the first part that he owned his wife's body, but they disagreed with his conclusion that he could do whatever he wanted mm -hmm. with it. But, they still didn't grant a divorce. Instead, the Earl was sentenced to death and beheaded. Which, Again, death know. easier than divorce. Yeah, yeah, I would rather just kill him than, you know, sign seven papers. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, I think it was good because he should not get married again. No, definitely he not. He cannot trust this man. No better way to stop a man from getting married a second time <laughs> than... Chop his head off. Well, I mean... If I can jump into speculation station sure. myself very quickly, um, maybe it was like the gay stuff rather than the rape and incest that kind of decided Parliament. I mean, given the history of how they act when a husband is cruel to his wife versus how they act when a man is learned to be gay, uh, you're not that's not out of the question. That's I'm like, I wonder if it, if it was given this extra layer of like debaucherous you know what i mean yeah. like inhuman behavior because yeah. he had these male lovers and stuff and they were right. like that's not cool i know in that time it was a little bit different because it was sort of uh, i mean john wilmot for example was pretty bisexual and right. a lot of his contemporaries were so it might not have been 
the same, but they might have been like, you don't bring that to your wife, though. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know. So anyway, we can see that divorce has been frowned on for literally millennia. Yeah. I mean, e- even when it was allowed in ancient cultures, the stigma associated with getting a divorce mostly kept people from going for it. Yeah. Um, but when people are truly miserable together, <laughs> they are ready to do anything they need to do to get away from each Oof. other. And in medieval Germany, that was quite an undertaking because their divorce court involved a literal fight to the death. And we will tell you all about it right after these messages. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Now, we have to thank our dear friend, Sammy, at Jukebox Sammy, Sammy. for sending this in as a suggestion. Uh, We just threw it in with the impotency court, and it made a wonderful episode. So thanks, Sammy. Good looking out. So medieval Germany invented the marriage brawl. And back then, trial by combat wasn't really all that uncommon. But it was weird to see a woman take to the ring herself. You know, she usually had a champion designated for her. Oh, right. Yes. Often, of course, it was her husband. Sure. But when she was ready to leave that husband, 
She had to be her own champion. Ah. I guess she couldn't be like, stop hitting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you have disgraced me, but you also must defend my honor. So go punch yourself in the face. Now, again, people still did not want a divorce to happen. All right. They still were like not a good thing for society or whatever. So usually the couple were given a month or two to try to cool off and settle their differences in a more peaceful way. Okay. And if they were able to kiss and make up, the trial would be called off. Great. No harm, no foul. Yes. Sometimes all you need is a month or two to get over yourself. True. You just get home and you're like, eh, I'm over it. Yeah. I guess I was being a jerk. Or I guess they were being a jerk, but I can handle it. (laughs) Easier than signing seven papers. Am I right? He finally took the trash out, so I guess we can cancel (laughs) the fight to the death. (laughs) Because if... They didn't settle things, uh, you know, outside the courtroom or off the battlefield. Mm -hmm. The marital duel would commence. And there were a lot of rules. Firstly, the wife had to put on this uh, this very form-fitting outfit. So instead of the usual heavy skirts she would wear, she'd have to wear this thing that kind of looks like a medieval version of a jumpsuit, (laughs) right? Arms, legs. I don't know. Is there a little fanny flap in the back? (laughs) Casey, I got to run to the restroom real quick. Uh, In either case, it's not sexy, but it gets all the skirt cloth out of your way and it leaves her limbs free to maneuver. Now, she was given a sack with a rock in it as her weapon, like a a sock full of quarters. (laughs) And she could move around the arena freely. But the husband had one hand tied behind his back and he had to stand in a hole up to his waist at the very center of the arena. I imagine he's just wearing his regular clothes, right? Because there's already pants yeah, and stuff, so you're already good. Pants, yeah. We need to let her limbs free. Come dressed, ready to move. <laughs> yes, ready for movement. <laughs> uh, it's a theater joke. So, I was about to say. Out there, you get those <laughs> notes before rehearsal. So, okay, so you've got the lady. She's hopping around the arena in her little jumpsuit. She's got her sack with a rock in it. And this guy's <laughs> planted in the ground in a hole like a house plant. And he is given a club, which is the same length as the lady's rock sack as his weapon. And he's not allowed to get out of the hole. The idea being, of course, that men already had the advantage in any fight because they're men, they're big and strong, and they're always ready to fight. Um, So this was supposed to kind of equalize the footing a little bit. Now, there's some other rules, like the guy can't touch the sides of the hole or he will lose one of his three available clubs, and then he has to fight unarmed at that point. I guess so if she pulls a club away, he could oh, get yeah. another, like if she like tosses it or something. You've got, he's got three lives <laughs> next to him. You lose a club or maybe he breaks one. He like swings too hard, hits the ground. Do you think he was allowed to throw it at her? Uh, like, throw man, the club? Sure. Like, I got two more. Big risk. Yeah. You, wanna, you only got three. You're ready three. to throw one. What if you miss? That's so true. Probably wait for it to come Can up. Can she pick up the club? I don't know. Now she so. got a sack and a club. I don't think I think she's okay. only allowed her sack All right. of rock. Sack only. <laughs> her rock sack. So this is straight up like whack-a-mole. He's right. like <laughs> he's in a hole and she's trying to beat him over the head. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch the sides, too. It's like operation. Yeah, true. You know, we got a buzz. lot of games out of this. <laughs> <laughs> now, according to Professor Kenneth Hodges at the University of Oklahoma, a legendary fencing instructor named Hans Talhofer mm. wrote an illustrated instruction manual in 1467 called Fechtbook. Oh. I hope that's not a curse word. Fechtbook. Fechtbook. Man, I'm so sick of Fechtbook. Every time I log on, <laughs> I say Fechtbook. <laughs> Damn Zuckerberg and his fact book. 
Well, this book provided ideas and methods for how to fight these marital duels. Okay, so he's like straight up an instruction manual. Okay, He's got two fights illustrated, one where the man wins and one where the woman wins. And as the professor points out, even though this practice is considered to have been pretty rare after the year 1200 or so, Hans presents this information very matter-of-factly. Oh, okay. There's nothing titillating or weird about it. You know, he's not doing a podcast where he's like, look at these crazies from medieval times. <laughs> and he's like, this is real shit. This is a real fight. Wow. And he clearly expects women to be part of his audience of this book because he's giving them some tips for winning as well. But, of course, his play-by-play is pretty dry. Sure. So we thought we would spice it up for you. <laughs> so place your bets and enter the Thunderdome because it's time for Fight Night! We've got a killer fight tonight between Hansel the Hammer and his wife, Uta the Bruta. These two are going head-to-head to see who will win divorce! Uta the Bruta is in a strong position. She's up to her husband's weight, and if looks could kill, she would already be the winner, Bob. That's right, Frank, but don't count Hansel the Hammer out just yet. He's a tall guy with long arms, so his reach with that club is nothing to sneeze at. These odds are only getting shorter. Oh, we've got a great referee out there, the expert himself, Hans Tollhofer. Oh, yeah. Best in the game. Literally wrote the book on how to win this match made in hell. Our combatants have limbered up. Hansel the Hammer's arm is securely tied. Uta the Bruda has her stack of rocks. And that's the bell. Oh, Uta the Bruda starts strong. She has struck a blow, swinging that sack like a sack full of rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Hansel the Hammer defected the blow and caught it. Now he wishes to pull her to him and subdue her. Watch out, Uta the Bruda. Oh, no. Oh, don't touch the sides there, Han. Oh, he's got buzzed. That's one club down. Now Uta has broken away from him, and she attempts to strangle him. She has laid him on his back and wishes to strangle him and drag him out of the hole. Oh, have you ever seen anything like this, Frank? Oh. Oh, Oh. this might be over. The hammer has pulled Bruda to him and thrown her in the hole. She is in the hole, Frank! She is in the hole! Hansel the Hammer wins! What a match, Bob! What a match! (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. And then they bring a belt out, you know, and there's a hole. There's like a lady in a bikini. Uh Uh-huh. You get it. Yeah. And they just (laughs) fill the hole in right there. Just fill the hole. Well, pretty much, honestly, because in the match where the woman won... Hans Tollhofer describes the wife grabbing the husband, quote, by the neck and by his member and wishes to drag him out of the hole. (laughs) She got him by the dick. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, The pictures are amazing. Uh, The other thing to note here is that, like, we're not really clear how a contestant wins a fight. Blood is clearly visible throughout the fight illustration, so it's not like it's a first blood thing. And no one can say for certain if it was a fight to the death. Um, if like they had to get the other one pinned or for any reason or if somebody just had to like tap out and surrender. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that it doesn't really matter because whoever loses the divorce battle was put to death anyway. Oh. If the husband, if Hansel the Hammer lost, he would be executed in the town square. But if mm-hmm. Uta the Bruda lost, she had to go in her own hole in the ground to be buried alive. Oh, my God. Which to me also... The stakes have been up for both of them, but I feel like Uta's going to fight a little harder. Uta is going to, I mean. 
What a terrifying fate. Yes, this is not just a fight for your life, but a fight to not get buried alive in a hole in the ground. Okay, like, I think I would take that month or two real seriously and try to get some marriage counseling. (laughs) Yeah, true. I mean, if it just ended up in the fight, I think I would go, like, I don't know, the gamma radiation might be unlocked in me (laughs) to not end up getting buried alive, and I would just hulk out. The desperation would would lend itself Uh to the adrenaline. I I would punch through the ground, reach into that hole, <laughs> and just crush that guy. I think I mean... To paste. Well, and you know, they already are mad at each other. So right, probably right. like I almost think it's so brutal, and you shouldn't do this, obviously, <laughs> but it might have been a useful, like, counseling thing where, like, just beat <laughs> on each other in a fair fight, and now it's over. You're good, right? Okay, everybody's fine. Okay, go home and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like those foam bats in The Simpsons? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, fortunately, this cage match to divorce completely petered out in the 16th century. Oh, okay. People finally were like, you know what? Maybe Wait this is second. not the best <laughs> way to go about this. <laughs> but it was replaced, at least in France, by something even crazier. What? The impotency court. Oh, boy. And we will tell you all about that right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome back to the show, everybody. 
So since children were so important in marriages, one of the only reasons a wife could bring a divorce case against her husband was if he couldn't get it up and make her pregnant. Mm. And this was true pretty much everywhere. Uh, according to Tony Paratet on the smartset.com, theologians agreed that the purpose of marriage was procreation around the 1300s. So wives would accuse their husbands of, quote, injurious non-consummation. And then it was up to the husband to prove that his penis was, in fact, up to the task and in proper working <laughs> order, which he had to do in front of an expert team of priests, surgeons, and midwives. Oh. Of this expert team. Like, we've all studied uh, the functionality of the penis right. in public exhibition sites in our time. <laughs> and I the can purpose. tell you, I know a working one when I see it. That's right. I can't describe it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> no lay person could come in here and say whether or not a penis is working. It took years of study. Well, the French historian Pierre Darmon, in his book Damning the Innocent, detailed the procedure where this team would carefully inspect the member in question for elastic tension and natural motion and then demand proof of ejaculation. But, of course, as you might have guessed, having a bunch of strangers poke and prod at your dick was not conducive <laughs> to feeling hot and bothered. In fact, during one husband's examination, he apparently told the panel of experts, quote, just looking at you makes me shrivel. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I don't know, uh, Judge Hawthorne out there just ain't doing it for me. I don't know why, <laughs> but this 15 panel of uh -huh. doc old doctors and midwives. Right, and just... the priest I've known since I was a boy. <laughs> but a man of stout heart and stouter penis could get the case dismissed right there if he could stand the exam. However, if he understandably failed that exam, he could ask for a trial by Congress, which is kind of a hilarious play on words. Oh. It required a Congress of experts to convene and watch the guy have marital Congress with his wife oh. to prove that he could perform. Congress, Congress, get it. Get it, get it. Now, Tony Paratet points to a number of accounts from the time that provide the details. So the location had to be neutral territory agreed on by both parties. <laughs> I don't want you going somewhere where you know you get aroused. That's right. You can't have a, you know, you can't go to your bedroom with the mirrors on the ceiling. <laughs> hey, honey, why don't we go do this experiment at the strip club, huh? <laughs> That's my mistress's house. <laughs> so then the couple was examined to make sure they weren't doing anything to trick the experts. Oh. Tony writes that, quote, Men were known to smuggle tiny vials of blood onto the scene, which would fool observers into thinking that the wife's maidenhead had been taken without actual penetration. What? Um, known to do it? That means more than one guy did. Right. This was a common move. It's like uh, bringing a, a bag full of pee into your drug test <laughs> in the stall. I was just about to say that. <laughs> oh, my God. They also apparently would bring little, like, vials of just other liquid to make it look like they had, I guess, had ejaculated oh. as well. So, I mean, crazy. You know, crazy. I learned from a friend who worked in the porn industry that uh, pina colada mix is oh. great for that. That's true. We used it, didn't we, in one of our sketches? Uh, we did in one I of our sketches, we, yes. We got that trick for a reason. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll link to that one day. Well, maybe. When we know we can't get fired. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that When that day comes. So finally, after they had been to their neutral territory and they had been cavity searched for vials of liquid, 
the unhappy couple were ordered to the bed. And male surgeons and priests would watch from behind a partition or perhaps like just outside like a half-cracked door. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the female midwives were hanging out by the pillows, fully able to lock eyes with either participant at any time. Wow. Sounds sexy yet? Oh, man. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Are y'all getting too turned on by this description? (laughs) What is happening? How funny. Someone had to sit here and think this through. Like right. they had to be like, okay, well, we can't have the guys just in there. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Now that's too far. We'll put them behind a piece of lattice. <laughs> <laughs> a thin piece of gauze ought to do it. Okay, y'all go ahead. I'm not even here, okay? <laughs> just pretend. Except uh, you beach. are here. <laughs> <laughs> Now, according to the Paris Review, divorce was illegal in France, but in 1426, there is mention of a marriage being dissolved due to an impotent, they called him. Just another example of just like defining someone by a single characteristic. (laughs) He's like, I'm I'm also really beautiful. I have great handwriting. Yes, I'm a baritone. I'm a baritone. Um, I I like to read. I'm a son and a brother. (laughs) It's not clear how the trials and all the rules around them developed, but the review writes, quote, by the 16th century, they had reached a kind of carnivalesque zenith that was, even in its attempts to be restorative, very humiliating. Seriously. Because not only were you having sex in front of a bunch of strangers and legal folks and religious people, everyone dined out for weeks on the gossip and the speculation Mm -hmm. so your private sex life was the main topic of discussion at dinner tables and salons everywhere you know it was like the big fight is coming right and they're like what do you who's your money on do you think he's gonna get a boner or not (laughs) do you think he's ever gotten one before this is the kind of thing that i think gets a little lost in history because it's just like oh sure people were talking shit but like when you're actually in it it's very painful and embarrassing and you're like i can't i don't i feel like i can't go out yes everyone's just whispering and laughing at me you know it makes it very hard for for, to be alive for a while right on top of all that the whole procedure was medically dubious since like nobody really knew the difference between impotence where you cannot achieve an erection And sterility, where like, you know, maybe you can have sex all day, but you can't get someone pregnant. And to them, that was one of the same thing. If you were one, you were the other. That's right. Now, this obviously led to plenty of problems because some men were deemed impotent and their wives were given a divorce. But the men would go on, have kids with some other lady. Oh, so it turns out they just couldn't get it up for, for her. For her. Interesting. Awkward. I imagine probably the other way around, too, or like. You know, someone was like, oh, I guess you're not you're not impotent. Therefore, you can have a baby. But then they still never get that child. Right. There must be something else going on. The wife could be impotent. Right. Could be, you know, sterile sterile as well. Um, Or again, they're just incompatible and they cannot make it happen. Right. And one of the last and most famous trials by Congress was the case of the Marquis de Langy. And in 1653, he married a 13 or 14-year-old girl named Marie. The Marquis was 25. Mm. Something else I'm glad is over with. (laughs) We don't do that anymore. (laughs) 
But apparently this started out as a pretty happy union. Oh, sure. There's like letters from Marie showing her impatience when he was gone and how happy she'd be when he came home. And she's, so everything seems fine. Sure, she's 14. She's probably doodling in her notebook. Mrs. Mrs. Marquis Delaney. Delaney. <laughs> but four years later, when she's grown up, she's 18. In 1657, she accused the Marquis of impotence. Mm. So they both had to be examined. Ugh. Marie, for proof that she was still a virgin, and the Marquis, for proof that his dick worked. Okay. So that's the other thing I want to say is that if they had or if they had sex at any time, like if, if on their wedding night he was not impotent, but every other time afterward. Do you know what I mean? She's still yeah. not a virgin. Right. So it, her case becomes a lot harder to prove. So they had this exam, and the experts found that both of them were fully capable of performing their conjugal duties. Okay. Uh, Marie was not a virgin. And one of the examiners apparently said, quote, it cannot be denied that Langy has done a fair amount of work with his ten fingers these past four years. Oh. <laughs> but Marie would not accept this verdict. She said if she's no longer a virgin, it's just because Langy insisted on making, quote, fruitless advances at her. And he was like, brutish in bed and stuff. Oh. But that made the Marquis double down and insist on a trial by Congress to prove her wrong again. Now, Paris Review points out this was unnecessary. The court had already found in his favor that everything was cool, uh-huh. but his ego simply would not let him take the W. <laughs> so he's like, let me do it in front of y'all like a tra- trained seal. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to show you how good I have sex. <laughs> Leading up to the trial, Parisians of all classes place bets, and they drew caricatures. Uh, They swapped around smutty pamphlets. They generally got a good buzz going on this (laughs) scandal. Now, most of society was on the Marquis' side. He was a pretty good-looking guy. He was rich. He had a title. And Marie was, of course, a a bitter, lying harridan trying to ruin her husband's reputation. And when they showed up at a luxurious bathhouse for these proceedings... Marie was booed loudly by the crowd, but when the Marquis showed up, apparently strutting, as one contemporary account says, quote, for all the world as if he were already in. <laughs> Ugh. Gross. One society lady named Madame Dolon declared, quote, I would so like to be condemned to trial by Congress. I wish she was having sex with me in front of a whole crowd of people for legal reasons. I don't think you think meant again, that, Madame. Think again, Madame Delon. <laughs> How was feeling confident. He even called out to the panel of experts, quote, bring me two fresh eggs that I may get her son at the first shot. Which I don't even know what that means. I know. Like, do you think that you can He's gonna fertilize impregnate a, a chicken egg? egg by sleeping with your wife? <laughs> I don't know what he's got. He's like, I'm so fertile. Right. Yeah, everybody is going to end up pregnant by the end of this. <laughs> he was just like, whatever, it's a witticism. He's everybody like loves me. Calling his shot like a baseball player. Right, corner pocket. Uh-huh. <laughs> like a billiards ball. Uh-huh. But, you know, as you might have already guessed, it's not that easy to have sex like a trained seal in front of 15 pairs of watchful and judgmental eyes. <laughs> and according to the Paris Review, one trial in Rheims had the husband call out several times, Come, come now. But he never actually did. (laughs) And then his wife laughed out loud and told the experts, quote, do not hurry so, for I know him well. (laughs) (laughs) And afterwards, according to the report, quote, the experts said after that, 
Never had they laughed as much nor slept as little as on that night. (laughs) Which sucks for the guy. I mean, everyone's just giggling it up, having a great time. And he's like, God damn it. Wow. (laughs) And just like this hapless husband in Rheem, Delangi was confident, but ultimately unsuccessful. Mm. The doctors heard the Marquis grunt, curse, and pray for two hours before he finally gave up, crying, quote, I am ruined. <laughs> well, so they just have to sit around for hours? Yeah. Waiting for this guy to get a boner. They usually gave him an hour or two to have sex. Oh, my God. And then they would go look and see if there was appropriate emissions or whatever. Okay, everyone, we're going to take a lunch break. Okay. Uh, <laughs> be back here in 20. We're going to see if anything is going on yet. And again, keeping in mind, just like the marital duel, these are two people who don't like each other anymore. So they're trying to have sex, not only in front of a bunch of people, but with someone they fucking hate. Yeah. So it's really no wonder he's like, God, Marie, I'm just so sick of your ass. I can't get get it up. Now, the fallout of this uh, failed coitus was immediate. All the women who had been drooling over him on his way in we're now like, oh, never mind. I actually don't want to fuck him after all, <laughs> now that I think about it. Uh, now, there's no word on if anyone retracted all the crap they talked about Marie, but it's doubtful. Mm-hmm. Although she did, quote, publicly revel in her vindication, <laughs> which I would love to have seen. Okay. Yeah, pro- probably this time we saw some caricatures of him with like a real limp dick yeah. <laughs> looking like a real piece of shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Now the Marquis's name became synonymous with flaccidity. So people be oh, sorry, I can't tonight, honey. I got a real Delangi. <laughs> I was so tired last night. Uh, I was a real Delangi in bed. I have to make it up to her. <laughs> oh, yes, I tried to have some fun with Pierre last night, but he was all Delangi all night long. Yeah. So this guy now is made a laughing stock, and he wanted a retrial. But it he was wanted to, to do that he again? He wanted to do that again. Uh, let me put myself through this again. Oh, bro. Double or nothing. Get over it. I know. Maybe he's just a really bad gambler. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, they denied it anyway, and he was required to return Marie's dowry and forbidden to ever remarry. But he did anyway once he moved to the provinces. Because, again, like, you know, who's checking up on this stuff? That's true. And he ended up having seven children. What? But according to the smart set, When he tried to boast to a former enemy of his about this and be like, see, I told you my dick worked just perfectly. (laughs) The man replied to him, quote, but sir, nobody has ever had any doubts about your wife. Damn. (laughs) You burnt. Of course, this wild trial had its detractors at the time. Not everybody was like, this is a great and normal thing to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) It's healthy. Healthy and normal. Voltaire famously wrote, quote, These astonishing researches have been carried out by no one anywhere in the world other than our theologians, and they have, in their earnestness, laid bare that which should be cloaked in the secrecy of night. But it was Delange's trial that pretty much changed the game. Mm. Um, Jacob Gaines, who is a urology medical student who wrote a paper about these trials, told Salon Magazine that the trial being so well-known and then Delange going on to father a bunch of children with someone else Uh helped cast a lot of doubt on the credibility of the proceedings. Okay, so any man who was accused could be like, yeah, I'll go through the whole thing if you want me to, but it doesn't necessarily prove anything. Yeah, right. Like reasonable doubt shit. 
The trials did continue for years afterward, but they pretty much died out in 1712. Man, so... uh. I love that Delangi made such a fool out of himself that it changed the legal system forever. <laughs> I know, right? You know, he thought too highly of his dick. Right. I suppose. Right. Or his prowess in bed. Maybe. Or he really thought it didn't matter if he liked her or not. Or I don't know. Maybe it was some long con and that was his plan all along. To to be associated with placidity forever? No, no. He's like, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take that bullet to get this law changed. Oh, I'm I gonna see. show everyone how dumb this is. Maybe. I mean, he was egotistical <laughs> enough. Maybe he was like, I'm handsome and charming enough that people will get over it. Right. They They'll did. Somebody all about did. It. Someone did. Or she never knew. Right. Or she was like, well, let's see. <laughs> Maybe Marie was the problem. Well, look, y'all, divorce obviously is never a picnic, even when it's mutual and friendly. At its worst, it could be painful and emotional and acrimonious, exhausting, you know, financially devastating. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of challenges that come from divorce. But at the very least, we can be glad that it no longer includes trial by combat or trial by Congress anymore. Yeah. Right? What I would call whack-a-mole or filler hole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> On that note, now On I'm filing note. for divorce. Oh, no! Are bad puns uh, grounds for divorce in any well, cultures? Well, now you can just do it whatever you, whenever you want for any Oh, yeah. So kind of. Now I don't need no proof. <laughs> And just go to the courtroom and be like, ah, my dick doesn't work with her. And they're like, sir, you don't have to do that. We don't need to know that information. <laughs> <laughs> that can be between you and God. <laughs> well, don't leave your thoughts about this episode between you and God, because we want to hear. Oh, them. we sure do. We sure do. Uh, please do reach out to us, especially if you have suggestions or if you want to talk about this episode or if you have, you know, corrections to whatever. Yeah. We love to hear from you. Our email address is ridickromance at gmail.com. Maybe you have your own crazy divorce story that you want to share with us yeah. to share with the world. Uh, reach out on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli. I'm at Dianamite Boom. And the show is at Ridic Romance. And we're on TikTok at Ridiculous Romance as well. That's right. So follow along, stay tuned, and we'll catch you all in the next one. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side -side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.